0: I'm sexy and I know it. Well, good evening. Welcome to the point. I am super excited uh, for several reasons. The first reason is this: these last couple weeks have been absolutely amazing. And uh, and let me tell you what I mean by that. If you were not here the week before spring break, that Thursday night, which would have been two weeks ago from tonight, I am extremely sorry. Uh, But you missed one of the most amazing nights uh, that the Point's ever had, Um, and uh, it was absolutely incredible. God did some cool things that night, and if you're here tonight and you wrote something on one of those stones uh, in there, um, you know, let's, let's, uh, uh, how's that going, man? How you guys doing with that? Is it going good? Y'all praying for that thing? Yeah. And uh, we got to hear a story from one of our students. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing night. And then, that was Thursday night. And then on Saturday, uh, we got on a plane and flew down to uh, Haiti, and uh, yes, in our uh, in our Haiti team, we did ministry all over Haiti, and uh, and it was an unbelievable experience. And let me just say this to those people that are going to Haiti in the summer: you better strap on your bootstraps, cause it is a sick, nasty trip. Amazing. Life-changing, unbelievable. I'm super excited for you guys. And, uh, and, it, and just a highlight from the trip, <coughs> a highlight from the trip for me was one of the guys that went on the trip with us, um, you know, was just trying to, you know, you know, th- you know faith kind of wasn't really, he was trying to navigate some of that kind of stuff, you know, really hadn't fully surrendered his life to Christ or any of that kind of stuff. Dude got there, man, and it was so cool to watch the Holy Spirit of God just begin to dismantle his heart throughout the week. And then uh, one of the last nights we were there on Friday night, me and a couple of the guys got to stand up there on uh, top of this little thing. Um, uh, and, you know, just a beautiful night, just a kind of cool breeze uh, blowing on, a, on, on the night and, uh, and, and have him just uh, cry out to God, surrender his life to Christ, and knowing that his life's going to be changed forever because of that. And I praise God for that. That's what we're about. We are about life change. And so let's give it up for God. And uh, so tonight we approach the beginning of our dating and sex series. And, uh, and I'm super excited about it. And, um, and, and when I was thinking a little bit about dating, I was thinking some of the things that kind of come along with dating. And, and I don't know, you know how much experience you have with dating or any of that kind of stuff. But whether you have experience dating or, or you don't have experience dating, I think there's a couple no-nos that you should not do when it comes to dating relationships. And so um, I, I thought that I would just show you a little quick video of just some no-no's uh, that you should not do when it comes to dating relationship. So check this out. <laughs> uh, that's good. So, uh, <coughs> so those are some things to not do on a date. Now, now, when we talk about dating, let's let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the word. Let's talk about what the Bible says about it. Now, see, here's the reality. The reality is, is that uh, during the Bible times, the Bible uh, people people dated much differently. In fact, how we know dating today is not even a biblical concept. And and there's many reasons for that. One reason is because parents had a lot of involvement in the person that you would end up with for your future. Now, how many of you guys would like your parents to pick the person you're going to be with for your future? Exactly. You know what, what, though? This is interesting. Arranged marriages still happen all over the world. Actually, in more cultures, more people are married but through arranged marriages than than are married through choice. Here's the interesting fact about that their divorce rate is about 30% less than people who get to choose their partner. Kind of interesting. But during the biblical times, their parents would have a lot of uh, insight and a lot of um, involvement in the person that they would marry. And you know what? This is interesting. It's kind of a pretty cool deal. What, what could happen and what would happen on a frequent occasion is this, uh, you know, good Jewish boy, he would see this girl. Maybe she was out working in the fields and, and, and they were just kind of hanging out. And he saw this girl and he's like, man, that girl looking good. And uh, so he goes over to his mom and dad. He's like, hey, listen, man, this girl, man, she is smoking. I, I You know what I'm saying? We, we got to hook this thing up. Now, here's the reality. During this time as well, they would get, the, the girls, the females, would be married between 12 and 15 years old. We know this, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was probably somewhere between 13 and 15 years old when she actually had Jesus. And so, uh, so you get this picture of uh, a much younger age when these people are getting married. So what would happen is, is that this Jewish boy would talk, talk to his parents, they would kind of talk to their parents, so then he would go to her father, and he would say to her father, you know, I would like to, uh, I would like to marry your daughter. And the father would say, well, uh, well, son, uh, you know, i got a few questions for you. And they would have a little conversation. And he says, all right, well, what are you going to give me for my daughter? And he'd say, well, I'll give you three chickens and four goats. And he would say, well, my daughter's worth a lot more than three chickens and four goats. I want three chickens, four goats, and a donkey. And then he would say, all right, that's great. And then they would take a cup from the table. He would sip from the cup. And then the other one would take the cup. He would sip from the cup. And this would seal the covenant. At that point, they are married. Now, Marriage, when I say married, that it was more like an engagement. They were betrothed to one another, and this engagement was completely binding today when you see people get engaged it's like all oh, they get engaged they get a ring on their finger but something can happen during that time and you're like you know what I don't want to go through this let me have that ring back we're not going to get married during this time it was completely different in fact it was a sealed covenant that you were going to be with that person for the rest of your life and so for a year uh, the, the woman she would, she would begin to you know grow in her understanding of what it meant to be a married woman she would learn from the women in her community and from her mother and the guy would go out to his father's house and he would begin to build a room onto his father's house, in which when they got married, they would come and live in their father's house. And there would be much of his family living in that house, and he would build and build and build. And about a year later, he would go back to where she lived, and he would, uh, you know, have her come to be with him, and they would be married. Now this engagement time we know was so serious, in fact, it was so serious that if you were in this time, this courting period, if you were in this courting period, you had to get a divorce in order to break it off. Even though you were not officially married, you had to get a divorce in order to break the covenant. We know this because when Mary was found to be with child, we knew that they they were betrothed to one another, but they were not yet married because she was still a virgin. And if she had been married, she would not have been a virgin. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 that Joseph decided to go and divorce her quietly to prevent her from having public disgrace put on her. Why would he have to divorce her if they, were, if they were not married? Because the engagement, this courting time, was a binding covenant with one another. So there is no concept in all of the Bible in this free-for-all that we have in this thing called dating that we do in our culture today. In fact, there was no concept of it until around the 1920s. The automobile was on the scene, social parties and things like that would begin to happen and so people were meeting each other, all of a sudden you didn't have to travel three or four miles on a donkey in order to get to a girl's house, now you could get around a little bit more easy and so all of a sudden this dating thing began to happen and people began to hang out and then to Today, fast forward all the way to now, you've got the internet, social media. In fact, one in five meet online their marital partner. One in five. So you got the internet, social media, all these things now at our disposal to meet people. Facebook, whatever. You can meet people all over the place. And so dating today is kind of a free-for-all. And this is why we have to talk about it. Now you say, if the Bible's silent on that, then, then, then what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Does that mean that we shouldn't date until we are ready to be with a person that we're going to spend the rest of our life with? Because in the Bible, that's how they did it. Well, I think there's a lot of different people that say a lot of different things about that. There are a lot of people that would say, yes, that is true. You shouldn't do that because you are practicing and getting involved in relationships that you shouldn't be in that are supposed to be held for this person that you're going to be married to and going to spend the rest of your life with. And there are other people who would say, well, you know, you get in these relationships and you learn how to build relationships with other people. And so you're practicing for when you get married in these relationships. The problem with that is is that a lot of times emotional attachments, mental attachments, social attachments, and even physical and sexual attachments end up happening in these relationships that can cause effects and can affect your future marriage one day. So we have to address this. We have to discuss this. Now I think that there are things that the Bible does say and the Bible does address and the Bible does deal with and that's what we're going to press into. I want to press into a little bit here before we get to two questions that I put inside of your little worship guide here and I think that, that this is going to kind of set the tone for where we're going tonight. These two questions are two questions that you should ask yourself before you ever even consider dating anyone. And you need to have answers to these questions. And I'm going to define them for you. I'm going to lay it out to you. I'm going to help you understand that. Now, so I want to to start out before I read those two questions to you. And I want to give you uh, something from the scripture here in Song of of Songs chapter 8. Now, Song of Songs chapter 8 and verse 8, let me give you a little bit of the story of this. Song of Songs is the book about a relationship between King Solomon and this young girl, This young girl that he had began a relationship with early on in his life. And and they grew together until eventually they got engaged. And then eventually they got married. It shows their dating relationship. It shows her interaction with her friends. It shows his interaction with his friends. It shows her interaction with her family. It shows their marriage. It shows their wedding night. It shows the time after their marriage. It shows them arguing and fighting. It shows all these things throughout these eight chapters in the book of Song of Songs. When you get to chapter eight... (laughs) The the brothers of this young bride are reflecting back on her life before she was married. They are looking back over her life and they are talking about her. And they made this decision early on when she was young that they would protect her. And so I want to read this to you. And it says this, verse 8. We have a little sister, her breasts are not yet grown. So basically she's young. What shall we do for our sister on the day that she is spoken for, the day that she's to be married? If she is a wall, we will build a tower of silver on her. We will celebrate. If she is a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. Say, what the heck does that mean? This is what that means. Basically, what they're saying is, is that if this girl is a wall, if she as a young lady, she is a wall. In other words, what that means is, is that she's stable, she's sturdy, she is godly, she has it together. If she is a wall, think about a wall. She is firm. She can hold her ground. It says, "We will build a tower of silver. We will celebrate on the day that she is married." But if she is a door, a door is flimsy. A door opens. It goes in and out. It's weak. It is not. If it, when you see police officers come and bust into a house. They bust through the door because it is the weaker place to be. If that is how she is, if that's how she lives her life, then we will build a wall of cedar around her. We will enclose her. We will not let anyone near her. The first thing I want to say to you tonight is this. Every guy and every girl, before you make a decision to date, you need to make a decision to be a wall. You need to make a decision to be a wall. See, this is what I mean by that. What happens is is that a a woman who is a wall is a a Proverbs 31 woman. She's a woman of noble character. She's a woman who loves Jesus. She's a woman who loves other people around her. She's a woman who can handle herself. She is stable and sturdy in herself. She doesn't have emotional meltdowns all the time because she is comfortable in who she is. A man who is a wall is a man who can lead himself spiritually. A man who is a wall is a man who other friends of his respect respect him other girls in his life respect him his parents respect him other people in his life look up to him because he is a man of God that is a man who is a wall every man and every woman in this room need to make a decision to be a wall you say what is a door a girl who's a door is a girl who every time a guy knocks she opens up for him every time a guy wants your number you give it out Every time you get around a guy who you think is cute, you get all giddy and all talky and, hey, hey, how are you? What's your name? Hey, hey. Oh, I see it all the time. We were coming back from Haiti, Call people out. Dude, there was this guy in the airport. He was a professional tennis player. Dude, I thought the girls on our team were going to like pass out. And uh, it's the truth. But they're a door. Every time a guy calls, they invite him in. Every time a guy texts, they respond. They have no standard for what they're looking for. And the reality is they have no standard for themselves. No self-respect whatsoever. Maybe it's because they have insecurities in their life. Maybe it's because they feel lonely. Maybe it's because of X, whatever. A guy who's a door... He's a player. He's always opening up, inviting another girl in. It's all about the game. It's all about the next conquest. It's all about what your friends think and not about that girl's heart that you're supposed to be protecting. That's a guy who's a door. And so the first thing I want to say before we go anywhere else is that my prayer for this student ministry is that we raise up men of God that are walls, and we raise up women of God that are walls. Now, there are two questions that you need to ask yourself before you ever decide to get into a relationship. The first question, which is down on your notes, is, where is my relationship with Christ? Where is my relationship with Christ? This is the number one question you need to ask yourself before you ever decide to get into a relationship with anybody else. Now, Mark chapter 12, verses 30, it says this. Jesus is giving what is the greatest commandment. He's quoting back from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second of these is love your neighbor as yourself. There is uh, scripture after scripture after scripture that point to the fact that as a child of God, our attention should be fully and wholly devoted to the King of kings and Lord of lords, to Jesus so here's the question you to ask yourself. Are you mature enough to date? To know whether you're mature enough to date or not, you need to begin to discover some of these things. Number one, where is your relationship with Jesus? See, the reality is, is that just like the door, uh, sometimes you feel like you've got to fill your life with something. And you see these girls all the time. They go from this guy to this guy to this guy to this guy, this relationship to this relationship to this relationship. They always have to be in a relationship. They can never be by themselves. Why? Because they are never okay by themselves because they're never okay with it just being them and God. See, in our culture has sold us this lie that someone else has to complete you. And you need to know that there is no one that can complete you. The only one who can complete you is Jesus. My wife, Megan, does not complete me. When I got married, I did not marry her so that she would complete me. Jesus completes me. Jesus completes her. Jesus is my number one. Jesus is her number one. That is not a slap in her face. She would not want me to have anything else as my number one in my life other than Christ. And I would not want her to have anything else in her life other than Christ. He is our affection. He is who we strive for. He is who we seek. Because when I'm seeking him, he changes my life. And that changes our marriage. When she is seeking him, he changes her life. And that changes our marriage. That builds our marriage. That strengthens our marriage. That strengthens our bond. That strengthens us. God did not design a husband and wife to complete each other, because they can't. You are two sinful, fallen people. There's no way that you can complete each other. The equation is, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything. And see, what happens is, is that we start having these insecurities. And so we're like, well, I'm fat, and I'm not smart enough, and I'm not good enough, and people don't like me. And so the moment that a guy gives you attention, because you don't have a contentment in your relationship with Christ, you you start thriving on that intention because you feel like that that will make you happy if you're in a relationship with this guy. And let me tell you something. We're going to hit on this next week, but when we talk about sex and God's plan for sex, but the same goes with sex. People who chase after sex and chase after physical relationships with somebody else, it's because they're missing something in their life. They feel like they need satisfaction from something over here because they are not getting the full satisfaction and completion in who Jesus is. And there is nothing that can satisfy you in your life like the presence of God in your life. Period. And so we cheapen relationships and we cheapen sex and we cheapen these things and we go against what God says because we want to do things our way and in the end it leads to destruction in our lives every time. And so you need to ask yourself the question. You need to ask yourself the question, where is my relationship with Christ? See, I see girls that get in relationships with guys and I see guys that get in relationships with girls and all of a sudden, It is like, dude, they cannot do anything without each other. Like every time you see them, they're holding hands, they're hugging, they're just like, oh my. You know, they're at church and they're just like, oh God, oh man. Oh, I just can't get, I can't get any closer to her. I can't get any closer. Are we close enough yet? I mean, it's like, holy cow, bro. I mean, you expect me to think that there ain't something going on behind closed doors when here at church you're acting like that? You're rubbing on her lower back. Bro, what the heck are you doing? This is church. People making out in the corner. I walk around like, dang, man, if they would do it where the youth pastor would see it, they'll do it when anybody would see it. What happens is that we get locked up with each other, and that person becomes an idol in your life. Right? They become the most important thing in your life. So your, your life revolves around them. So you're talking to them on the phone for two or three hours every night. You're sneaking out of the house to go meet them, right? You're going and you're, you're texting them all day long and you got like 16,000 text messages and you're retweeting everything they do because you think that everything they say is the greatest thing in the world, right? Retweet, retweet. And, and so, you're, so your whole entire life starts revolving around them, you know? And so then, so then all, this, all this separation begins to happen with your friends. All of a sudden, all those girls that used to be real tight with you, all of a sudden they ain't tight with you anymore because you started walking away way over here because now this guy is your everything you know what i'm saying and so you know and then same with you guys you get off on your girl and all your boys are gone you can't find your boys anywhere there's no boys around because all of a sudden the girl is your everything in your life and so everything that you do begins to build around this girl it's called idolatry it's one of the oldest sins in the book in fact in fact when when god gave moses the ten commandments the first one was to have no other gods before me And the second one was to not worship any image or have any idols in your life. I mean, this is pretty serious to God. You cannot love the Lord your God with all of your heart if there's a guy or a girl or someone else in the way of your heart. Where's your relationship with Christ? It's idolatry. You want to know if your boyfriend or girlfriend is an idol in your life? Ask yourself this question. Is your relationship with Jesus more mature than your relationship with them? Let me say that again. Is your relationship with Jesus more mature than your relationship with them? I find it interesting. Most couples know more about their partner that they've been dating for three weeks than they know about God. I mean, let's just get real. This isn't the question of... Is dating okay or is dating wrong or is dating right? This isn't a is dating right or wrong question. This is a are you mature enough to date question. And if you want to have a godly relationship, a God-honoring relationship... Then you need to understand, you need to get this in your head that it starts with you being mature enough to date, and incredible maturity is you saying to yourself, I am not ready because I don't have this right yet. I'm not making any friends tonight. I'm making friends with the single people. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's get real there's some of us right now that are in relationships and you need to get out of that relationship because you're not mature enough to be in that relationship and that relationship is going to dismantle you spiritually because you are not ready for a relationship spiritually I know because I've seen it many times and I've experienced it myself You don't need Jesus plus a girl or Jesus plus a guy to be satisfied in your life. And if you do, then you don't know Jesus the way I know Jesus. He is the foundation. He is the starting point. I'll tell you. I prayed my face off from the time I got to college until I graduated college until I got a God, just bring me that girl, God. I just want to find that girl, man. I just want that girl. I was praying for this girl. I was praying. I was like, God, 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 pray. And finally, one day, it was like God spoke to me and said, Derek, until you're okay with it being just me and you, I'm not going to bring you that person. Your pursuit of a relationship has trumped your pursuit of me. And I was like, things have got to change. So I spent a year fasting and praying a 24-hour period in my early 20s, every single week, 24-hour period for a year, for my wife. And I prayed this, God, protect her, guard her purity, watch over her. And I prayed for her. God didn't bring me that person right away. He still had things he had to do in me. He still had to prepare me. He still, I, I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't ready for a marriage yet. And God began to whittle away at me and help me grow in areas. And then, on November the 14th, 2009, I married the most amazing, godly, unbelievable woman I've ever met in my entire life, Megan Idol. You know what's cool? God honored my prayer. My wife kept herself pure until she was married. My wife kept herself out of harmful relationships and wanted to focus on her relationship with God. My wife is a solid, unbelievable woman of God, and Jesus is number one in her life. My wife was mature enough when it was time. Which leads me to the second question that everybody should ask before they get into a relationship. And the second question is this. Where is their relationship with Christ? So if I got this girl that I'm think, you know, kicking it with or whatever, I'm thinking about us kind of moving this relationship in this direction, I'm asking myself two questions. Where is my relationship with Christ? Am I ready for this? Am I mature enough for this? Can I handle this? And then I'm asking, where is their relationship with Christ? I mean, this is incredibly important. Man, I, I've seen this so many times. So many girls, so involved in youth groups, so into this, so into that. Man, they're just pumped over the old guy. They're just pumped over to the like a rushing wind. I mean, they're worshiping like crazy. They get into a relationship with the wrong guy, and they're gone. See, it's, it's because you have bought into our culture, which says this. If he's hot, if he's funny, if he's athletic, if he has status, if other people think he's cool then those are the markers of the guy that I need to be looking for. And we neglect the number one marker that you need to be looking for, which is where is his relationship with Jesus? I don't care how good looking he is. I don't care how hot she is. I don't care any of that kind of stuff. If they don't have that relationship with God right first, where is their relationship with Christ? I mean, the Bible speaks to this. Turn over to 2 Corinthians, if you got your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He's talking about... Uh, He's talking about being unequally yoked. He's talking about being yoked together with someone who's not a believer. And look what he says. He's talking to us. He says, listen, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not unite yourself with them. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what does fellowship, what fellowship can the light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and a false god? Or what, what, uh, what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And he goes on and on and on and on and on. See, because what happens is that when you get in a relationship with someone who's not a follower of Jesus, you get in a relationship with someone who doesn't have the relationship with Christ that you have, then what happens is is that that person begins to draw you away. That person has different convictions that you have. Listen, this is the sin of the entire Old Testament. This is what tripped Israel up over over and over and over and over and over again. The men would go and they would conquer a land and they would start marrying women who did not believe in the one true God. They begin to worship the bells and asherahs and other gods of these other people and they begin to do this and they begin to turn their backs on the one true God. 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good morals. You get into a relationship with someone who doesn't have the same Thoughts that you have about things who does not follow Christ the way you follow Christ. Listen, it is going to lead to disaster, and I need to tell you. I need to say this because we deal with this in this room. I hear it, I see it all the time. I deal with this issue every single week with this high school ministry. No question about it. I get emails, calls, texts, whatever. I need to have a conversation about my friend. I need to have a conversation about my daughter. I need to have a conversation about this. Listen, every single week I have these conversations. Missionary dating. That is where a girl who is a Christian or a guy who is a Christian who is growing in a relationship with Christ says, I want to go out with this girl or this guy who is not in order to help them, move them along in their faith. Stop it. Stop it. God has spoken. You love them, you care for them, but you don't date them. You don't enter into a relationship with them thinking that you're going to change them. Because, listen, you cannot change them. Only Jesus can. See, that what happens is, is that within every woman in here, you have this motherly instinct, this nurturing, naturing spirit within you that wants to help someone that's hurting. You all have it. And you can't help it. It's the way God designed you. It's what makes you guys so fantastic such fantastic mothers it's what makes you uh it was what makes you so caring for people i don't have that bone in my body i don't care about anybody i'm just kidding (laughs) but it's what makes you so caring and what happens is, is that this guy who is hurting and broken comes along and he's a punk. And you know, you always hear the thing, girls like bad guys. The reason girls like bad guys is because they think they can change him. And that guy becomes their project. And so they start trying to nurture this guy and help this guy. And they think, man, if I just help him enough, he's going to come over. And God's going to do something in his life. And it's going to be great. And so they start being drawn to this within them. Let me tell you something. It never goes good for the girl. Never stop it you point them to jesus let jesus change their life because you cannot change their life you can't and if you're in a relationship with a guy who is not spiritually leading himself then you need to get out of that relationship now, and if you are considering getting into a relationship with a guy who cannot lead himself spiritually, let's not even talk about is he a believer or non-believer. If he cannot lead himself spiritually, you need to run in the other direction. You say, but I care for him. I love him. I, I Okay, be his friend. Be nice to him. But let me tell you something. You cannot help him. You can't. Just, just trust me. I've been doing this a long time. You can't help him. It never works out good for you. Where's their relationship with Christ? I want to hit a couple of things that I just I see a lot in, in young people. And I just, I just, there's some indicators for you to tell if they're growing and if they got a relationship with Jesus. The first indicator is, is that to watch out for jealousy. If you're in a relationship with a guy or a girl who is jealous and they're always like, Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, how did that happen? And they start being jealous and they start saying all this kind of stuff and they start pulling you away from your friends, start pulling you away from all these people and start doing all this kind of stuff. Get away. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter of the Bible? It says, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It goes to this whole thing. It says, Love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Also, in the Proverbs, uh, the wisest man that ever lived, he said this. He said in Proverbs 27, 4, Anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? And if you're in a relationship with a jealous guy, jealous girl, get out. They're not mature enough. What about controlling? I had a friend in college, his name was Brad. I mentioned this story last year. And uh, um, he would literally give his girlfriend hickeys all over her neck and, and, and on her, the, her chest right here, so that she would have to wear shirts up to here so no other guy would look at her. And she thought that was okay. This is a guy who called himself a Christian. Come on, man. What's this deal, guys being so controlling, telling you what you can and what you can't do? Nobody can tell you what you can and what you can't do. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's what bad guys do. That's what guys that you don't need to be in a relationship with do. And you know what other things bad guys do? Bad guys isolate. Bad guys, the wrong guy isolates. He isolates you away from your friends. He isolates you away from your family. He isolates you away from the church. He isolates you because he wants his voice to be the only voice that you hear. Look, if I had a board up here because I couldn't find my stinking board. If I had my board up here, I would write family, friends church, Jesus, the most important things in your life, I would underline them and I would say, the guy or girl that you're in a relationship with right now, are you closer to these four things because of your relationship with him or her or are you further away from these four things because of relationship with him or her? And if you are not closer to the things that are supposed to be the most important in your life, you need to dump them now and save yourself some incredible heartache for your life. Preach on, preacher. Come on, man, let's be smart. Let's be smart. Some guy going to isolate you like that? Throw the elbow on him. Good guys compliment. And when you're around a good guy, man, he makes you feel better about yourself. He doesn't feed insecurities you have. He doesn't point out your flaws and your faults. He doesn't do those things. He compliments you. He tells you how lovely you are. He builds you up. You know what's really cool? When you go back and you read the Song of Solomon and you look at their dating relationship, she is having some image issues. Right, I mean, you know, we, you know, come on, ladies. I mean, that's that can be a struggle, right? And she's having some image issues, and she's like, you know, I'm I'm dark like the tents of kedar. She's going through this whole thing because what happened is is that her brothers made her work out in the fields, and the sun has has harmed her skin, it has scorched her skin, and, and so she is like, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not beautiful, and and she's worried about this fact that she doesn't feel beautiful. And then the next line comes in with him complimenting her. He's like, he's like, my darling. Your eyes are doves. And he starts going through this whole list of things about how beautiful she is and how amazing she is. Listen, listen, this is what's cool. After he does that, she chimes right back in. And she's she's like, how lovely am I? And she goes through this whole thing and talking about how great she feels and how happy she feels about herself. Because this guy has elevated her. He has complimented her. He has encouraged her. That's the kind of guy you need to be with. A guy who's going to elevate you and build you up and compliment you and treat you right. Be respectful. Be chivalrous. Open the door. Come on. Pay for your meal. Preach it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something right now. No girl, zero, has ever paid for my meal on a date in my entire life. Zero. And if you ain't got money to take your girl out to eat, then y'all don't go out to eat. That's not biblical. That'll just keep you in a relationship. (laughs) Listen. You want to know where they are spiritually? What about their sin issues that they have? Look, if you're dating someone that has some glaring issues, there's some pride issues, there's some anger issues... There's some, there's some sexual issues, like they are trying to pressure you sexually, or they're, they've got a porn ad issue, they've got, you know, uh, if, if they're cutting, if there's an eating disorder issue. I mean, if there's some issues, some sin issues going on in their life, and they need to deal with that before God, before they can be in a relationship, let me tell you something, you cannot care for someone else's heart if your heart is destroyed already. When your heart is broken, when you are dismantled emotionally and mentally, when you're dismantled in that way and the enemy has a grip on you and you're dealing and struggling with these sins and you're knocked down one time after another, how in the world can you expect to care for someone else's heart in a way that would be God-honoring? I don't want to get too much into what I'm talking about next week, but I want to challenge you. That if you were here tonight and you were dealing with some of those issues and you were in a relationship, you need to be mature enough to back out of that relationship, do some business with God before you get back into that relationship. That is the most healthy thing you can do for each other. Check your sin issues. Check yourself out before you get yourself into some big trouble. We're, we're, we're running out of time. Conclusion. Conclusion. Two questions. Where's my relationship with God? Where's my relationship with Christ? And where's their relationship with Christ? And then, I want you to write this at the bottom of your page. And guard your heart. See, when I was thinking about a wall, and I was thinking about what a wall looks like and, and all that kind of stuff, and I was thinking, I was thinking about it being guarded. And, and I think this is cool. This is something that You know, I just kind of learned from my wife, who's just awesome. Uh, But something that my wife did in her dating kind of history, a little bit of my wife's dating history. I don't know if she wants me just to air her dirty laundry. My wife made a decision when she was in high school and when she was in college. She made a decision that she was going to focus on school and focus on her relationship with God. So she decided that she didn't want to be in a relationship. Not that, she maybe was, not that she wasn't attracted to other guys, not that she didn't maybe want to be in a relationship with other guys, but she felt like God just kind of called her this. When she got out of college, she says, you know what, my standards are high. I'm not going to settle. I don't want to get into a relationship with someone that's going to pull me away from God, with a guy who's a loser, a guy who's a tool bag, so I'm missing out on the guy who God might have for me because I'm settling for this guy over here because I'm lonely or because I want to be in a relationship or because this guy's cute. And so that's what she did, and she, she took her time and, she, and all this kind of stuff. And so my wife's only dated, other than me, one other guy for like a month. I'm the only other guy my wife's ever dated. And that's pretty special to me. But My wife talked to me all the time about the fact that she made a decision to guard her heart. And in Proverbs, again, the wisest man that ever lived, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Above all else... When I hear above all else, he's like, listen, I'm giving you all this wisdom. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, he's writing this book on way above all else. If there's anything else you can listen to from this entire book on wisdom, listen. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Listen to me. The Bible tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, love our neighbors ourselves. And the Bible tells us to guard our heart. Your heart is the most important thing in your life. And you have to guard it. You have to protect it. Cuz what happens is, is that in every we 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 think that relationships are just like this glorified friendship. They're not. When you get into a relationship and you don't guard your heart, you get emotionally attached. You get, you know, physically attached. Mentally, you get attached, and all, socially, you get attached. You get socially attached because you start sharing the same friends, and and all this stuff starts to happen. And you guys begin to get united in a way that when things break off, it causes all kinds of heartache, all kinds of pain. And I know you think that you are not going to break up with the boy or girl that you're with right now. We never think we're going to break up. I've been dumped plenty of times. It happens. Guard your heart. I I read this this quote, and I thought it was really good, and I just want to read it to you guys. It says this, The years before marriage are a time of preparation. The dichotomy is this. In dating, we presume to take of many of these privileges that are designed for marriage. We would be shocked if a married man had an emotional attachment to another woman. And yet it is quite acceptable for singles to have different emotional attachments every week. On the other hand, we save sex for our partners and some even do that sparingly. But on the other, we engage in rampant emotional promiscuity. Giving pieces of our heart away until one wonders What will be left for that special, lifelong partner? If you give pieces of your heart away to every guy that comes knocking on the door, to every girl that comes knocking on the door, and you just open it up, what will be left for that person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with? See, this is what they tell us, and in the books that I read, they tell us, Derek... You can't talk about marriage with high school students. You can't talk about these kind of things with high school students because they think, oh, that's so far down the road. You realize that you are going to be in high school for four years. You realize you're going to be in college for four years. Some of you may be six. I am 31 years old, and I've been married for three and a half years. And if I live until the life expectancy that I'm supposed to live, I'm going to be married for another 46 years. Listen, 46 years compared to four years, eight years is a drop in the bucket. I've been married a little over three and a half years. I've almost been married as long as you guys have been in high school, your entire high school career. And I got like 46 years of this left. You're talking about the rest of your life with this person. Don't compromise in four years of your life of high school or four years of your life in college. Don't compromise over the next eight years of your life things that are going to be invaluable for your relationship with your husband or wife that's going to be there for 50 years of your life. You will be married more of your life than you will be single. Don't be foolish. Guard your heart. Ask yourself the question, where's my relationship with Christ and where are their relationship with Christ? Father, I pray that you'll be with these students. I ask God for wisdom. I know that there are many students in here that are in relationships right now that are unhealthy, that are ungodly, and the priorities are not in place. And God, I ask that you would just give them wisdom and maturity. God, I also realize there may be healthy relationships in here. And God, I pray that they would keep them healthy and that they would honor you in there. And God, I just pray for that girl or that guy in this room tonight that has some of these things that we talked about. Maybe there's some insecurities that, are, that, that the enemy just attacks them with. Maybe they feel like they're not good enough. They feel like they're, they're, they're just lonely or... Maybe they have a broken relationship with a dad and they feel like they need to fill that with a relationship with a guy. I don't know, Lord. You know their hearts. But, God, I know that you're in the business of restoration as well. And, God, I pray that you would restore hearts in this room tonight. God, I pray for any brokenness that's in this place, God. We ask for your spirit to move on it. God, I know that we talk about your word tonight and we talk about this stuff and it's because we believe that right thinking leads to right action. And many of us come in here with preconceived notions of false ideologies that we have bought into because of our culture or because of our friends or because of our parents or because of unhealthy other situations. But God, we want to found our lives on the word of God. We are going to stop making excuses for the things that we do in our life because we want to be the gods of our own life and we're going to let you take over and let you be the God of our life. So God, tonight, change our hearts, change our lives. Guard us, in Jesus' name, amen.